Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. Communicate smarter. Visit smilesoftware.com slash systematic for more info. My guest this week is John Robinson, an Apple nerd, a Cubs fan, and director of QA for a home services company called Home Advisor. How's it going, John? Going great. How you doing, Brett? I, I'm swell. I am getting crazy number of calls from unknown numbers today. I, How do you block an unknown number? In Skype? Yeah, good luck. No, on my iPhone. Oh, so I, I have... Uh... You know what? I'll deal with it later. <laughs> yeah, no, there there is a good app um, called Haya. Check Hiya. them out. Um, it, if you, especially if you have iOS 10, they have the new call block feature, and it has a huge spam database. So, all right. So, kind Does of a it one work click. with blocked IDs. Though? Uh, it it has. Um, I've got actually I've got call blocked and Haya both installed, and you can turn one of them on or off or huh. have them both on. Well, um, this conversation went off track fast. <laughs> My fault. Glad we stuck to the script. <laughs> um, okay, so y- you work in software QA, quality assurance. Yep. What What is that job? What is it like? Um, so, especially right now, it's my job is to ensure that, that the software that. 14, 15 different development teams puts out, um, goes out to production in a state that we are not going to cause a loss in revenue, loss in um, service submittals, et cetera. And that can get a little crazy given that we release to production every two weeks. Um, We released this past Thursday and had 140 some uh, stories go out as part of that release. Um, so this is so, agile development. You're absolutely agile development. Um, we are not the truest sense of agile development, but then again, I don't know that anybody that's operating at the scale that we are um, is able to do it that effectively. Um, but we do have, like I said, 14 teams, 15 if you count my automation team, um, delivering code. Uh, so just the coordination of that is gets a little crazy sometimes. That um, sounds that sounds horrifying almost for someone who is then required to be you're you're probably the point guy that's responsible if anything goes wrong. Like I you're the first for, person to blame. Uh yes, I am for the for the next week and a half and then I have I actually have a new guy starting uh, on the 24th that is being hired specifically to own the release risk side of things <laughs> um, which is because so we, we've gone through an interesting transition at Home Advisor. We went from a very long time small regional type of company to uh, and we were bought by a company called IAC. And I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. But they're they're a tech holding company. They they have in the past owned um, Trip or Expedia, um, Match dot com. Uh, they they own the the Tender family. Um, College Humor, Vimeo, a lot of major tech brands that you've heard of. Ask.com's another. We were bought by them way back, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And after Match.com was split off late last year, we became the last remaining stable pony, I guess, that actually has a chance to be spun off in the future, right? So. Because of that, now things have changed. What we were able to do 
a year ago even um, from a risk perspective, from a, um, oh, we made a mistake and it got into production, we'll, you know, we'll fix it later standpoint, that's no longer possible um, because we now directly impact a Fortune 500 company and their their revenue. Um, we have to participate in their um, calls with Wall Street and have all of this new risk category that has been assigned to us, um, it has become apparent we need somebody to come and like actually manage just that aspect of it. So, you know, in you know, in in a broad sense of the term, this guy is coming in to be a babysitter and to come in and help be meet with each of the teams, make sure all of their their stories have been reviewed for risk assessment and. You know, if it falls under certain risk categories, then you have to fill out a whole bunch of additional information. How do you roll it back? How do you prevent it from breaking somebody else? Um, where's the potential breakages at? It can get a little crazy. Um, release weeks for me right now are awful because I don't get anything else done but that work. Um, so he's coming in that will take some of the load off of that. And then I can go back to kind of drive the QA direction for the organization as a whole, which includes um, building out new roadmaps for careers for people, um, working through with the different teams to pull them together and kind of come up with a coherent QA strategy across the entire board, um, working, taking the automation team and helping them to integrate with the various other teams and take what they're doing and move it to the automation platform. Um, which was two people when I started right about a year ago and we now have up to eight people and we've gone from a couple hundred scripts to close to 4,000 at this point. Um, so that sounds, it sounds, um, intriguing, but fragile. Uh, it is at the moment, um, mainly because we, we are so scattered and we don't have the ability to focus on any one thing. We're literally jumping from, um, challenge to challenge. Um, we, we've kind of taken a step back and we're starting to put in a lot of, okay, we've got this person coming in and they're going to own this entirely. Uh, I have an automation person that's going to be responsible for just the automation pieces. Um, we have subdivided the, all of the development teams up into three different areas. Um, we, we call our connectivity side, which is kind of our consumer facing products, the mobile app, the, the actual website. Um, we have our core side, which is kind of the more behind the scenes, this is how we do things side of the house. And then we have our internal tools, which all of our sales center and call centers use. Um, between those three, they all have a different person responsible for QA on each of them. My job is to just kind of coordinate everybody and bring them all together. So, so. okay, so your director, do you <clears throat> yep. actually do software QA? Not anymore, thank God. Well, I'm curious, yeah. like, what the, how do you become software QA, uh, like, when you first start? Do you have a coding background? Is this? So I got really lucky. Um, my background actually was in IT. I spent um, right out of high school, I got lucky and got an internship um, at a uh, scale company. And kind of accidentally fell into the IT sysadmin world for about 10 years and realized 
about 10 years in that I actually hated doing that and that it just was boring as I'll get out. It was just reactive, um, had no insight to the bottom line at all. So, um, I actually quit my job, went and spent three months pushing a broom out in California on a job site with my brother. Um, and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And a guy that, uh, we had gone to church with said, Hey, my company's looking to expand, uh, as some consultants, would you be interested? Your background's the right thing. Um, but it'd be a different thing entirely. Like, yeah, sure. I'll come talk to him. You know, sounds interesting. And that was my first foray into QA. Um, it was, we primarily did performance test management. So we would come in and do a performance test or do, um, performance tuning around your applications if you did not have an internal uh, performance team. And this is about, I don't know, mid 2006 ish. So not a lot of people had an internal performance team. Um, and so we did, we would go in and do that and did that part for three, three and a half years. And then, um, another company bought us and that company had an internal, uh, software development shop and they uh, were looking for someone needing to kind of just start up their own internal QA and I got tapped to do it and moved to Colorado. Um, yeah, testing is one of my uh, definite weaknesses. I do not do enough testing as as evidenced by recent releases of NVL. I, I wasn't going to say it. But, I, you know, I'm solo, and in the case of NVL, it's me and David Halter. And yeah, it would it be happened. really great, though, to have an organization with someone who could just test it on a bunch of different OSs. Yeah, you know, with the, yeah that'd be fun. Yeah. Fun, that, fun in that I wouldn't have to do it. Fun in that it's somebody else's problem, not your problem. Right. So do you take any special approach to QA? Do, I mean, uh, how long have you been doing this now? Um, so I've been doing it, uh, right at the same amount of time I was doing the IT work. So I am now officially two full stages in a little over 10 years. Um, wow. yeah, the, just the, the thought of thinking about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, has your, so has your approach changed over 10 years? Uh, yeah, it definitely has. I mean, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to, in the course of my career, especially with the consulting company I was at, I got to experience a lot of different environments. Um, I've done things for uh, limited brands. I got to work on doing performance testing for Victoria's Secret. Um, I've done work for Scripps Network, uh, which owns food, uh, the Food Network, HGTV, DIY, Travel Channel, all those. I've got to work on those kind of environments. Um, I've worked in startup environments and kind of the entire gamut in between at, at some point or another. Um, and it, it's amazing to see the differences, how everybody does stuff. Um, and there's so many things that the little guys could learn from the corporate, you know, uh, enterprise type of environments. And there's so many things that the enterprise environments could learn from the corporate or, uh, the, the smaller startup environments. And my kind of philosophy has grown 
towards a mixture of all of that. Um, I'm all about let's get the ball, let's get it out correctly, but let's get it out realistically as well. Um, don't try and overload a, a given release just because we need to get it out. Um, if you're going to own it, own it. Um, don't don't go into it with the expectation that oh we'll we'll fix it later. Um, if it's not working, don't do it. Um, and and the 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 big thing that I've tried to focus on and I've realized that beyond process and all of that, the biggest challenge that I've run into has been getting QA people to a point where they feel empowered enough to stand up or push back against um, somebody that's trying to tell them otherwise, right? Yeah. Trying to give them a voice when it's when it isn't good enough. Well, it, it doesn't work, but you know they said they're going to go ahead and ship it anyway. No, you you <laughs> you need to learn how to tell them no. And if you can't do that, absolutely come to me. But if it doesn't work, we can't we, we that it can't go. Um, and in trying to, so much of my focus and attention now has shifted towards how do I grow people and mentor them and build them up to the point where they can stand alone and do that without me having to come in and be that person. Yeah. So I used to be a senior developer for a corporation who then brought in new management that tried to turn us into a startup, an age old corporation beginning of the internet that suddenly wanted to behave like a startup with the, ship now fix later philosophy and it didn't work in that environment although parts of it were beneficial you know and that that's one of the things that you know every time i've ever gone into an interview you know they're like okay when you come in what's the first thing you're going to change and i'm like nothing i'm not going to touch a thing (laughs) i'm going to spend you know three four six months just trying to understand what you guys are doing today and what you're not doing because most places if they're operational are operational because they have some processes that work right there's no sense in ripping out the stuff that works you need to understand what works for that environment what what's not working um, and then figure out from a people perspective what what kind of people do you have and what are their skill sets? You can't ask them to do something that they're just not capable of doing. And they may be really, really good at one aspect of something and really, really bad at another. And if you're asking them to, to do that other thing, you're really setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up for failure. But you can't just, you know, in, anywhere I've ever gone, I've never gone in and just started ripping things out or making changes for the sake of making changes. That that doesn't help anybody at the end of the day. Um, and it doesn't really fix the overall problem, which is, um, you've got some process things that you've got to figure out and that there's some things that work and there's some things that don't. You brought me in to help you identify and fix those things. Let's identify and fix those things. Um, so I wish yeah, you'd been I, my manager. Hey, you know, it's, I, 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 I wouldn't have left lot. the job. <laughs> well, I hear that a lot and it's, it's, it's really sad because I've got people that have worked at this company for, I think he passed his seven year thing and he's never known anything different than the company he's at. And he told me in our one-on-one the other day that 
I'm the best boss he's ever had. Like in any job, any industry ever, I'm the best job boss he's ever had. And nobody says that. Nobody says that, right? <laughs> and it's really, really awkward to hear, first of all. Just really <laughs> awkward to hear. What do you say? But to his point, I, I think there's something to be said, though, for treating your employees as employees and actually genuinely caring about them. Um, and I tell people when I go in somewhere, when I run that team or department, everybody that I work with and around, I treat them as, you know, they're my best friends or they're my family because I spend as much time with them as I do my own family. And so <laughs> I need to be able to work with them. And if I can't work with you, then, then that's a problem. But you have to also be able to work with everybody else. And I will give you as much rope as you need if you're getting your job done. But if you're not getting your job done, then we, we got to have a different conversation. I feel um, like you should be a project manager, not a director of QA. You know, I, people try to tell me that, and I just don't like the project management side of things. I just, <laughs> I, I get that. I, it's just not my style. I, Although I, I think there, the the job description for product manager versus project manager, product manager different. sounds like you might be an amazing fit for that kind of, but it also sounds like that's kind of what you're doing already. It is. I'm kind of playing that role in that, that function, um, in a position that I can actually impact change. Um, it, I, I've had this philosophy and this approach for a number of years and it's not been until I've been in leadership roles that I've been able to make it successful. Um, I've always been a really good employee that everybody's hated losing, but it wasn't until I could actually impact the change itself and, and force some of these things to happen that it actually made it worthwhile. Nice. Okay, so six months ago. Yeah. Maybe more now. Yeah, a little more so. You were finally, at the age of like 30-something, diagnosed with, yeah. diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. What was, what, what did that change in your life? Like, what did that explain for you? Oh God, it explained why I was completely incapable of sitting down and doing anything for more than five minutes at a time. Uh, I, one, one of the things that, that I guess was a great help in my career to this point was that I had zero ability to, to, to pay attention to any one thing. Um, but it also gave me the ability to have, I called them superpowers. I don't think they really were. I think they were just my way of my brain coping. But I could be in a room or in a meeting or something and literally listen to five different conversations at the same time and process all five of them and could converse in all five of them at the same time right up until something visually distracted me. And then it was all gone. <laughs> Sparkly. So I would great, and then a squirrel would come flying along, and I'd be like, <laughs> just literally go blank. Yeah, that, I'm familiar that, with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would uh, do stage my work, um, and I had learned this literally since since school, um, where I would do all of my work in the few two, three, four hour bursts of productivity that I would hit, um, but then have to learn how to dole out the output of that so that it did not look like I had done all the work <laughs> in like four hours. 
um, because I, I didn't know how else to, because otherwise it looked like I was just sitting around. Right. I, yeah. and, and on a lot of days I was there, you know, I'd go into work and of the eight hours I was there, I would maybe get 20 minutes of work done. Oh, um, man. yeah, I and, know and, how this goes. And it was so, and I had learned all kinds of tricks around it, right? I, I didn't realize that this was, I just thought everybody dealt with things the way that I did. Um, I also knew that I, I had the ability to overcome certain things and had tricks for dealing with them. And I thought my tricks were just better than their tricks. I didn't know that I actually had a significant issue. Um, but it had gotten to the point early this year where, um, I, I kind of always had this feeling that there was something off and, so I got promoted. My boss decided to leave four months after I started my new job. And in January, I was promoted into the director position. And in doing so, I now became responsible for a whole lot more. Um, and my my expectations and bandwidth, um, the expectations grew and my bandwidth shrunk. Um, so I couldn't afford to, or I couldn't get done in a short period of time, everything that had to get done, especially when some of it was time sensitive. So over the next two, three months, you know, I kind of tried to, I tried to make it work, tried to figure out what was going on. Nothing I try. I mean, I've tried every productivity hack that there was. I've tried every journaling system, every to-do list, I, every single thing that you can think to try. I, I mean, that I've, I've done it, right? Um, and finally I, it got to the point where it was affecting, it was starting to bleed over into the home life where I had managed to keep it under control because I did a lot of the other stuff and dealing with the other stuff at work. So by the time I got home, I was, my wife was kind of used to it. The kids were kind of used to it. It wasn't a big deal. Well, because now the work commitments were changing and things were bleeding over and I had to get stuff done and I had to get newer work done that started affecting the home life. Um, and I, at that point I kind of had to go in and, and see somebody and, and see what could be done. And so it turns out, um, they, they sent me for a ADHD assessment, um, which you have to get before they'll actually give you the test. Um, and so I go in and see the doctor and he, you know, gives me this questionnaire and spends about 20, 30 minutes questioning me on various things and various aspects. And, you know, we get to the end and he's like, all right, so normally this is where I send you over for, um, getting an actual test done. I'm like, oh, great. I don't have ADHD. I'm just, you know, I'm just crazy. And then he follows that up with, but you're so blatantly ADHD that I'm going to go ahead and give you medication <laughs> right now. And then I'm going to ask that you still go get a test done because that will help. But there's no sense in us waiting. You're, you're absolutely ADHD. <laughs> um, so that was, that was both, um, scary to hear and fun to hear. Um, because, you know, growing up for me, ADHD was always a, a no, no, like we don't talk about, that's something that parents do to, to settle their kids down from being kids. Right. Um, it was never something that was a, ever legitimized, um, in my family. So we never really acknowledged that it was a thing. Um, so because of that, you know, I was, I was both excited and nervous at the same time. And I am not going to lie. I spent the first God two months angry at 
my family for not having gotten <laughs> me this before because I feel like my life would have been so different had I actually had the ability to focus and pay attention that I, I now had. But um, you did develop prior to the diagnosis, you did develop oh, ways of dealing with your own work habits. And that's, so that's where I ended up uh, getting back to is, is, you know what, I actually, this actually might have been for the best because now I have all these, these hacks and, and tricks that I know and things that I can do and have the added bonus of now I have medication to help me actually get it done. Um, so it is definitely swung the pendulum in the opposite direction, uh, to the point where my wife has to remind me that I get a little too zoned into things at times now. Um, but it, it has been a completely night and day difference. Um, I no longer have to just create note after note, after note, after note of <laughs> things that have to get done and then triple check that they're in my calendar and on my to-do list and in the, the digital note that I, I carry around. Oh, and in my notebook. And <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's definitely simplified that, that side of the house. Um, but it, it's, it's been a growing, growing pain. And like I said, the, the medication, uh, they, they've, they've now learned that it, I'm hyper, uh, it basically loses its efficacy really, really fast on me. So we're going to have to revisit that. So, and this was diagnosed as a condition called tachyphylaxis. Tachyphylaxis it sounds really weird. And it basically just means that I have the ability to rapidly lose efficacy of medication. Um, and it, it's not just this type of medication, every medication I've ever been on. Did they give you any explanation? Like, how does that happen? I didn't, I didn't look at the Wikipedia. No, um, he didn't, he didn't give me much. Um, I've, I've known about it for a long time, long before I went on, on, um, ADHD medication because they, um, I I have migraines as well in addition. Um, and I've had them literally since I was like three years old, um, kind of sucks there some days i'll have six out of seven days a week i have a migraine ouch just kind of have to learn to deal with it at a certain point my pain tolerance level through the roof it's amazing <laughs> in other areas. but um i've yet to be able to take a medication for more than two prescription fills worth because by the time the first one runs out it's no longer effective um occasionally you know six months to a year down the road, they can bring me back to that medication, but it doesn't, it usually doesn't do anything more than, you know, the half-life is even less at that point. Um, and especially if it's something that's designed to be long acting, long acting things don't affect me really at all. Like I never feel any of the benefits from them. Um, they tried to put me on the extended release version of Adderall and it never helped. Um, I, I even told him like literally halfway through the first dosage of it. I'm like, this is not even, it's better for me to take the regular Adderall than this stuff because I don't ever actually feel the benefits of it. That's interesting. I, I'll tell you my story real quick in very summary format. Sure. Like I was diagnosed in my mid twenties and it did in much the same fashion as yours. Um, it explained like high school, middle school, my inability to do any homework at all. 
yeah, it explained my acting out my um uh impulsivity a lot of things started to make sense and then as soon as i started medication it was night and day difference yeah um all of a sudden, I felt like I was a normal person. I was able to do the things that I saw the people around me doing. Um, that continued. I There is, addiction studies will call it a ramp effect, uh, yep. where things lose efficacy over time. Not to the extent that you're talking about, but... Yeah, no, that's what he said. He, he pointed that out. He goes, normal people have a, 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 a kind of a gradual... Tolerance loss. building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I fit more on the gradual scale of that, but my, my medications ramped up over time and I, I, I don't know. I got to a point, I think where I was taking what could be considered an insane amount of stimulants for the ADHD. And yep. then suddenly 100% cut off a couple, like a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, uh, just flatlined for a year and went back to high school where I literally couldn't get anything done. And I only survived by like wit and BS ability alone. Um, and then now I'm back on meds, but at my request, they are only long acting. I take Vyvanse only now and it, uh, and I, at a basically starter dose, like it's never gone up over six months. Um, but it it gives me like I avoid that too zoned in that uh, kind of compul- uh, obsessive. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, exactly behavior. what you're talking about. <laughs> and and but it get I can work for eight hours, you know, and I can take a break to run in the middle without like <laughs> it used to be the the period of time it would take me between stopping a project. And being able to go do something else used to be way too long. Now I can stop. I can go for a run. I can come back and get back into a project and not. Over the year that I had no meds recently, it was like I could start a project, but I could not. If like in programming, you have to deal with, you know, multiple, we'll say files at once. Yep. And and functions that are shared between things. And I could not concentrate enough to bring together all the parts. So I could write code, but not integrate code. That was that was a lot of my problem. Like I had all of the individual pieces that I needed um, for whatever it was that I was doing. I was so what what had come out of this is I was exhibiting almost. Um, symptoms of, of, uh, where I, I had to have things very particular, right? I had to have, this has to be this way and this has to be this way and this has to be this way because of that whole inability to pull them together because I could do, I could zone in on any one of those things, but if they weren't lined up just right, I could not pull them together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. We're on the same page there. Yeah. But yeah, like I found lower dosages of long acting drugs to be more beneficial to me, partly because I am, I, I'm an addict. Like I have very addictive tendencies. And for me, the really good ADHD drugs ended up being detrimental. 
Yeah. And like, I just, I need something. Vivance is beautiful. You can't abuse Vivance. Like, nothing, you can only take it in pill format. And it's what they give to, you know, people with yep. addiction. It's what they give to kids. It's kind of, for me, the perfect solution. Yeah. It sounds like well, for you, it wouldn't be. Well, I, and, and that's one of those things that I'm, we're still figuring this out for me. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know that, you know, what we're doing today works or, you know, what, what doesn't work. Um, but it, it's, it, this is all new. And I know that I've got this, this condition, I guess, that allows drugs to wear off really fast. Um, I don't know how we're going to handle it. Uh, we're, we're not even a year into it yet and it's already reared its ugly head. So I have a feeling we're going to definitely play the back and forth game for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that gets frustrating I, fast. Yeah. And I, you know, fortunately I've got a doctor that that's, that's pretty good at, um, working with me and kind of talking through various aspects of this. Um, he's aware of, of my dad's history with, with addiction and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, it, it's a sensitive subject with me and that that's, that's something that I want to make sure is a, not a problem for me. What state are you in? I mean, uh, like we're in, the in US. Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. 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 I, uh, there, it varies from state to state, but like most states that I'm familiar with have clamped down to the point where that kind of doctor does not operate anymore. A doctor who truly listens and can adjust and, and I will work tell you, with you this much: it is. Um, so on top of all that, we they have clamped down. Like I have to go see him at least at a minimum every three months, um, and I can only get a one month prescription at a time. Well, that, I think that's federal law, right there. And so I, I think yeah, I think that that part's federal. But then the insurance company has decided that regardless <laughs> of what my dosage is, I am only allowed two pills a day. Yeah. So yeah. With, makes no with, sense. And, he, and every time you go to the pharmacy, you have to get prior auth on anything that changes. Correct. Yep. So he has to do it. And then I'll have to remind him, by the way, insurance only gives me two. Oh, yeah. So he'll literally just double the dosage and I just cut the pills in half. And it yep. says it on the medication, just cut the pills in half. <laughs> that okay that i'm not familiar with but it's the dumbest thing in the world that that <laughs> and i even talked to the, the pharmacist she's like yeah they don't really care what the dosage is they only want to pay for two pills which and the, and the reason that that ends up being a huge <laughs> negative is that in the pharmaceutical industry when they create pills when they manufacture them the binders that they use don't balance out perfectly Yep. So half a pill does not necessarily equal half a dose. Correct. Unless they are gel caps, um, then it's safer. But still, yeah. No, it's it's not. It's it's hit or miss. So I. <laughs> that sucks. It is what it is. Uh, that that's the that's the one challenging thing thus far that we've run into is that uh, I think it's going to be a cat and mouse game of of trying to stay ahead of this. But welcome to pharmaceuticals in the United <laughs> States. Uh, yeah, no. And with insurance and the medical industry in like a freak out over usage of stimulants without authorization, yeah, it gets kind of frustrating for people that are genuinely in need. Yeah, and that's that's the frustrating thing is 
I get why we've had to do some of these rules and restrictions. I mean, there's definitely people, um, I'm related to one that, that took advantage of the system. Um, I, I, I totally get that. It just sucks. It does. So, okay. Last question on this topic. Yeah. You, you clearly over, you know, the first 38 years of your life developed pretty good coping mechanisms um, yep. that eventually fell short. But how many of those do you still put into practice? Um, a pretty decent amount, actually. Um, my the the need to specifically outline and, and detail things. Um, one of the things that I am really good about is, um, taking a larger thing, um, or a disparate group of people and breaking it down into digestible chunks. Um, it's one of the reasons I was, I was good at doing QA, right? Because I could take a, a large story or epic and break it down into its testable parts. Um, taking things and, and, looking at them, ripping them apart and putting them back together mentally in my head in a order that made sense, that thing is still there. Um, and that, that has continues to this day. I mean, I have to do that all the time. Um, the, the ability to, um, I I think you probably said it best bullshit on the fly earlier. (laughs) Um, I had to learn to think on my feet really fast because I would be asked questions about things that I was not prepared for or I had completely and utterly forgotten. Um, and until they mentioned it, did not like was not even in my brain anymore. Um, and so I would have to literally come up with a story and a plan for that thing when I'm being questioned on it on the fly. Um, I still use that not necessarily to that degree, but just the ability to constantly um, be processing things and then being able to switch conversations on a dime um, definitely helps. Yeah. So what what doesn't help now? What changed? What did the medication remove from your kind of um, toolbox? So not so much what it removed, but how it changed my daily patterns. Um, so much of my days were, were very open-ended and designed to basically prep for whenever one of these productivity windows hit that I could shut everything else out and write it until it ended. Um, I'm no, I have to be much more precise, I guess, with my daily calendar, uh, it has to be a little bit more structured, um, because I, I don't have that burst at, at, you know, 10 AM or 3 PM or whatever, like it's kind of constant. So I have to do a better job of managing my calendar throughout the day and scheduling things when they make sense to schedule them, not for when I would like for them to be scheduled. <laughs> Um, so that, that part has been a significant change, um, because my, my daily schedule can sometimes get really screwy and the nature of my job means that I can be in my office for six out of eight hours a day, or I could maybe be in my office for an hour out of the day total. Um, I'm meeting with people or, or, you know, going around talking and coordinating things, et cetera. Um, and I have to do a better job of, of coordinating the things that have to get done around those events, not when uh, 
I think that I'm, I get, oh, I'm productive now. I got to go shut the door for two hours and get a bunch of stuff done. Do you um, like that? I, I still do. I've always liked the being able to shut the door and get work done. Um, I, I have found that now that I have the medication, I can do that on my terms versus when um, the feeling hits. When um, your brain decides to cooperate with you. Right. Um, because there have been times when I've gone and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this done. I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got all this stuff planned. And two hours later, I open the door and I literally got nothing done. Um, at least now when I, when I do have the ability to do that, it does help. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I am very fortunate that I got an office now that I can go in and when my door shut, everybody knows, leave me alone. Let me get my stuff done because there's stuff I just have to knock out. Um, but it, it's it now I can actually do that and, and I can actually be effective doing it before it was kind of a crapshoot. Okay. So we're going to go probably 10 minutes over here. Do you have time? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. There's one more topic I want to ask about. Uh, you have kids. I do. And they are currently building small robots for a sumo challenge. I want to know more about that. <laughs> So we, uh, we homeschool our kids and one of the groups that we're in, um, typically it's the moms and the kids that go while dad goes to work. Um, the moms and the kids all get together and they go out and do nature studies and all that fun jazz, which is really cool. Except when all the husbands are all technology guys and, and computer guys that doesn't exactly, you know, line up with stuff that we, we enjoy as much. Um, so uh, one of them came up with the idea of, hey, let's build some uh, battle bots and have a competition. And so we called it Dad Bots. And we all went on and ordered a couple different base kits that we use. There's two-wheel versions and four-wheel versions. And half of them got the two-wheel versions. Half of us got the four wheels. Um, half of them are just using like a standard remote control RC car controller and radio. Um, and a couple of us decided we were going to do what geeks typically do, which is decided to go the Arduino route and build our own custom one. And um, so ours has got an Arduino with a motor shield on it and um, Bluetooth LE for monitoring via my phone and a PS2 controller to actually control it. So does that yeah. the two wheel version is that yeah. like gyroscopic balance how does that um so it 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 uses there's a blade on the front of it um so there's two wheels in the back and then the the tilt of it is and the the balance of it is such that the blade portion stays forward and it keeps it on the ground um they are hyper mobile really fast and if they catch you just right they can move you off the the mat in no time However, if we're moving, as long as we can keep them from getting under us, they can't beat the stronger ones. Um, so there's there's advantages and disadvantages to both, right? One of them's going to be really, really quick and nimble, and the other one's going to be really big and strong. Tank um, versus rogue. Yeah, that that <laughs> that's basically. I explained it to my son. I mean, it's kind. Think of it this way, Weston. It's kind of like Spider-Man versus the Hulk. Right. You got one really fast and nimble guy and then one really big guy that can do lots and lots of damage, but not near as fast. <laughs> um, that, that was kind of how I explained it to him. And, and it's been it's been a really cool experience. Um, I'm learning. I, I wasn't uh, an Arduino guy before this 
this experiment, but uh, coming out of it, I have already discovered a lot more uh, uses for the technology. Uh, and we are fortunate to have a, a shop here in town that sells um, Arduino kits and, and boards and whatnot. And I think they, they had them on sale for like six bucks the other day nice. to get a, a full board. Um, so it, the whole putting it together and the thought process of what we want the robot to do and all that has been a really cool bonding experience with the kids. So it's been fun. I have two weeks until Halloween to build my my dream like candy dispensing touchscreen <laughs> uh, sci-fi Halloween thing, and I need to learn Arduino, Arduino programming in the next week. So I have, it, it I have will, some research. It is super super simple. Um, <laughs> I was not I was not an Arduino guy. Um, it, it's basically basically C. Um, behind the scenes, um, if you're familiar with Java, you'll be just fine. I am not, but I am familiar with C. Yeah. So if you're familiar with C, you'll be fine. Um, it's, it's really, really super straightforward. The, the lines of code that we had to put in, um, to, to actually make the robot operate with a PS2 controller were so minimal. It wasn't, I mean, it's so super simple. Um, they've got lots and lots of libraries out there to play with. Um, and then there is a site called codebender.cc. Um, I'll slack it to you here. Um, but it is basically an online IDE, um, specifically for Arduino projects. Um, and it can actually connect directly to your Arduino board and, and control it and configure it. Uh, it's got a serial monitor and everything. Um, but the nice thing is instead of having to track down all these various libraries and toolkits and whatnot, they have all of that built in so that when you build a project from there, um, you get the benefits of all of that information. Nice. Uh, and it really doesn't even matter what board you use. Um, you get to use uh, all the boards that they have plus all the libraries that they have and add your own library in if you want to. But I've yet to find something that they didn't already have. So nice. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then we will continue on with our top three picks. Sure. Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by Text Expander. Communicate smarter with Text Expander. It's one of my favorite utilities on Mac and iPhone, and it's also available for Windows. If you haven't heard of it, Text Expander is an app that lets you save time typing by assigning short snippets that expand to larger text when typed. Uh, you can also do rich text and images. You can use it for everything from spelling correction to writing entire emails. You can even use fill-ins to let you customize snippets every time they're inserted. Uh, so you can use Text Expander to eliminate boilerplate drudgery. Share with others using the new group features and make everyone more productive. Text Expander is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies you do every day letting you maintain consistent communication on your own or across an entire company. Text Expander can format dates, autocorrect misspellings, and search your collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey. Try Text Expander free for 30 days, and then Text Expander subscriptions include software for Mac, iPad, iPhone, and Windows. Visit smilesoftware.com systematic for more info and to claim a 50% discount on your first year of Text Expander Lifehacker subscription. Offer ends November 15th. Go check it out. 
All right, so top three picks, round robin, yeah. back and forth. You get to start with number one. All right, so I'll go with um, I'll go with one of my apps this week that I just had to deal with. Uh, it's called Simple Contacts. Um, it turns out the the challenge of ordering contacts, especially when you've changed states, is we're talking about eyes. L- eyes, yes. Okay. Uh, those little plastic or whatever they are these days that you stick on the surface of your face. Yeah. So, so not a contact management solution. No, it's not a contact, contact management system. I have played with many of those, but no, <laughs> not. Um, I, I found this one. Um, I, I had used 1-800-CONTACTS in the past and they're like, oh, your prescription's expired. Um, I don't think we can do anything. Um, oh, but you can go take our online thing that's like $40 to to do an online thing and, you know, somebody review it and, you know, a couple of days later we'll get you some contact order. I'm like, great, I, I need one now. Just so happened literally that day there was a, a new app in the app store called Simple Contacts and – that basically it took a variety of pictures of my face. It gave me an eye test um, right there on my phone. Um, had me read off the chart. I had to set my phone on the other side of the room, talk to it. Seemed kind of weird at the time. However, um, I had contacts on their way within 20 minutes. So um, that was pretty awesome. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, so I, I see. I feel like there's a lot of things that are going to start moving that way as now that the the tools are capable of doing it. But that was my first experience doing it, and I was quite pleased. Nice. Yeah, I could use something like that. Although, granted, I only have to go get a new eye exam every two years, and they just I can make a phone call. But still, that's kind of amazing. The nice what? thing was my last my last exam exam was like three and a half years ago and yeah I could have went and got an exam but I didn't realize I was out um and so I needed (laughs) them before the weekend and this kind of worked out um I I didn't have to worry about that and they were able to overnight them to me and yeah so so this $40 eye exam oh this was like 10 bucks well you said you said you could is there an online eye exam there, if you go one eight hundred contacts, um, has it, and I think these guys do something similar, but not maybe not to the extent of it. Um, if you go through there, they have a a service, um, and I, I I'll find it and I email it to you. Um, but basically, it goes, and then they do a variety of pictures and things on your for your eyes, and then they actually send those to an ophthalmologist to take a look at and uh, oh. do all the stuff. Interesting. So yeah, there 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 is an option for it. I don't know how detailed it is. Like I said, I happened to find this the same day, and it was a lot faster. Um, sure. But yeah, for forty bucks, I'm like, man, that if it's just a normal <laughs> thing, that's not a bad deal. No, that's that's intriguing. So, but yeah, right. I, I got the the details somewhere. I'll send you. But nice. All right. So my first pick is it's a Markdown editor, and I. Still, I prefer multi-markdown composer for writing, and I use marked for previewing. Um, but See, I, who makes that? I've heard. Some, I, I feel like I know who makes that. <laughs> some some jerk. I think it's like <laughs> Midwest guy. Um, but uh, 
That's at mark2app.com. I feel like that's obligatory. Um, <laughs> you should throw that out there. <laughs> but uh, I, I recently retried. I had tried this previously and found some things I didn't that weren't conducive to my workflow. But light paper, I tried again recently, and it's a really good markdown editor. Okay. And it gives you um, like a project view. You can load a whole fi- folder of files. It's got good simultaneous preview. And yes, I'm working on Bitwriter, the replacement for NB Alt. But that is geared towards note taking and rapid full text search. And if you are editing markdown files, this is actually a really good app. And one of my favorite features is the, uh, they call it real preview, where you Mm -hmm. can put in the URL of an existing blog post on your own blog or any blog, and then tell it what the container class or ID is in the HTML. And it will then preview your current markdown live as you type it in With a that. window. I mean, basically yeah. it's inserting the, the generated HTML into whatever uh layout you have right now so you see exactly how it's going to look on your blog with very little effort that's pretty slick yeah i told i want to steal that but it's such a good idea i feel bad about it <laughs> that it that's that's pretty slick i like that and that, that got, actually could come in handy yeah it's got like all the uh all the shortcuts and keyboard capabilities that i love and it is a it's a very good editor uh totally worth i think it's I forget the price on this. Free trial by now. Let's see what it says. Uh, fifteen dollars. Yeah, that's not bad at all. But there is a free trial that I for fourteen days. That take a look. It's it's very yeah. cool. I might have to check that out. All right. So what's your number two? All right. Well, since you went the uh, the the whole markdown road and and notes and things, I've been uh, beta testing an app called Bear Notes. Um, Is it still heard in beta? This? Oh yeah, I've been beta testing it. I thought yeah, it, it, it I, in fact, I think you're the guy I heard it from um, <laughs> somewhere. Um, it is still in beta. Supposedly, this coming week they're going to have a release that will let everything start syncing together. Um, but I have been really, really impressed with it. Um, I use it primarily on a mobile device. Um, I'm mainly a iPad user for my daily work, and it is. It's really nice. Um, it, it because it does all the f- the markdown formatting and stuff literally on the fly. Um, you you can create a really nicely look looking document checklist whatever um, on the fly, and it makes it really really simple to navigate. Um, so I've been I've been really impressed with them. And the the only thing I'm waiting on at this point is for the the next release for the desktop version so they start syncing as soon as that happens i will be ecstatic and you know we can go on to the rest of my playing around with new things but (laughs) yes uh Uh, bear is gorgeous i i am i am jealous like i the the guys from shiny frog uh i don't know how to say danilo danilo uh, but yeah, like he's been in touch with me since the beginning. They're adding marked support, like a way to preview live and marked as you work in bear. Nice. And I am, it's a great, it's a gorgeous app. 
And yeah. it's in direct competition with the app I'm working on releasing right, right now. I know. I almost felt bad about saying that, that but given that you No, I can't deny it is a it's a beautiful app. I I totally agree with the recommendation. Cool. And and Shiny Frog, the developer, is uh also the creator of some of like my old favorite deli bar, which is no longer developed, but it was a one of the best pinboard clients I've ever seen nice. for bookmarking and everything. Nice. They make good software. Yeah, no, it, they they they've got a they've got a design feel to them yeah, that, they do. that you don't <laughs> see in a lot of other software. And I and I'm a big geek for that kind of stuff, right? Yep. I like it well designed piece of software totally agree all right so my second pick and i don't think i've ever talked about this on systematic before but it's called nuclino n-u-c-l-i-n-o uh it's a wiki with a lot of kind of amazing features uh it's it's a great way to build like team documentation and everything but also gives you it's got like a map view so you can instantly see how all documents interconnect mm. and uh, on the fly, like base tagging suggestions, things like that. Uh, you can embed videos and images and uh, task lists, things like that. And it's just overall really, it's simpler to use than most wiki software out there. I really like the way that it creates connections automatically, can kind of automatically associate pages based on content without having to make actual wiki links. It's uh, yeah. it's a pretty fun one. I, I'm not going to lie. So one of the, the uh, upcoming projects that we've got to do, we've got a Confluence page that everybody has just dumped stuff into. <laughs> yeah, um, I know how that looks. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> um, I am going to look more into this because this might be something that is actually highly relevant to me in the very near future. So yeah, yeah. appreciate the good call there. Yeah. Check out, uh, when you get in there, check out the smart tags and Matthews. It's pretty awesome. And they just added a bunch of new stuff. Let's see if I can find the release notes for September. They added uh, mentions so you can mention team members so that they get alerted about new pages and changes. You can pin pages in the sidebar. You can sort pages by title instead of just like date created or manual sorting. Uh, there's a nice. graph view for collections. Uh, so smart tags and uh, are in the sidebar. The editor now has, uh, you can paste external links in the into the editor and automatically fetch the page title which is something I wish for my show notes. I really should build that. Um, tables, all of this, it's, it's good stuff. Do yeah, check this, it out. This, this looks really nice. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to figure that out because uh, we, we've got a significant documentation problem at work. So this, this would be a big help. I think most people, most companies do, especially do. once they have a significant amount of documentation. It doesn't help that they, they migrated from SharePoint somewhere in the middle and <laughs> so we've got one whole archive bucket of stuff that's stuff from the old system with no rhyme or reason to whether it's still valid or not so um all right so my last one is um luke term 1917 notebooks um i don't know if you're familiar with these but luke term uh, luke term l-e-u-c-h-t-t-u-r-m um German. 
German outfit. Yep. And uh, they're not the easiest to find in the U.S. Um, you can find them quite easily on Amazon, um, but you kind of have to go to a specialty bookstore or stationery store to find them. Um, heavy quality paper, um, and they have dotted grid style. Um, and I am starting to use the bullet jur- journal method um, for offline note-taking and just kind of keeping track of my general day-to-day goings-on. Um, and they are, this is far and away the best notebook you could find for it. Uh, in the past I've used, um, the moleskin, um, drawing notebooks, yeah. the ones with the super thick paper yeah, and I no have a dots. Couple of those. really nice. I really like them. Um, but the Luke term has like a whiter tint to the paper and it's got the dotted grid on it. So you can, uh, kind of keep things more in, in line, uh, which, uh, it kind of bothers me when it, it slants or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, I, I've been really, really impressed with it. Um, and so yeah, that that's my my third pick. Yeah. Okay. I so I gave up on buying moleskin. I still have moleskins from three years ago. I've never used. <laughs> I I find them um, bizarrely fascinating but not something I use daily. I started using Moleskin sells an accordion folder notebook. It looks like a Moleskin, but the inside instead of pages, it's just an accordion folder. And then I I use index cards for taking notes because those are easy to archive later. Yeah. Yeah, And I can just, for a while I was just like scanning them into Evernote and using handwriting recognition. But now I just kind of copy notes from the day because I, I don't take enough notes maybe. Well, and so I don't <laughs> either. I'm not a good note taker. And I think this comes from the whole ADHD thing that I just can't sit down and pay attention long enough to take notes. But what I do use it for and what the whole, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole bullet journal system. Um, it, it's a way designed to quickly capture very stark, direct statements. Um, and that can be a deliverable. It could be a, date it could be you know just something to remember um but then it, it's got a a way to quickly be able to tag those um to know what to do with them when, once you've done it so you can go through and start with a dot if you're done you cross it out you add a forward arrow if it gets deferred to the next day you add a back arrow if it goes onto a calendar somewhere um and there's there's various ways of quickly processing it um and they also sell – so Luke Term also has a white version, um, which is designed to be digitally captured and input as well. Um, so you could you know, do the same thing and just take a screenshot of it and dump it in Evernote or whatever. So I'm a huge fan of digital versions. Um, yeah, I, I am too. I, and that's part of the reason why I struggled with, with having a paper version is – I need a way to look it up and, right. and search. That's the biggest thing. Search. Yeah. Um, and that I, it's totally frustrating that you can't more easily do that. Um, but part of my problem too, is I've been really frustrated with Evernote in general for the last year or so. Yeah. Um, I gave it up a while ago. Yeah. It just, I, I love it and I love the concept of it, but they went away from the core product a long time ago. And sometime around when they opened the trunk store and started making yep. physical products. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> 
So since then, I've been trying to figure out what that new note system looks like because I need something that's more than just basic markdown um, that also has content and other things with it. Sure. Um, I actually use, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ulysses. Of course. Uh, so I, I actually use Ulysses for a lot of that kind of stuff, for anything like that's real large content type stuff. Um, yes, I use it for writing and all that other kind of stuff as well, but it also makes for a really good note-taking system as well. I would be curious about how you implemented that. Not right now, but... Sure, we can talk about it later. That um, is, uh... it, it, it works out surprisingly well. Um, and, and while I do use it for writing and things like that, I use it mostly for keeping track of longer, more structured notes or things that are related um, because I can add more types of content to it without it getting overwhelming. Nice. All right. Yeah. So I've been playing a lot with uh, iOS keyboards and they still suck. uh, But that's Apple's fault more than anything. Um, I've gone through, there's a bunch of new ones that are inspiring. Uh, Ryo, W-R-I-O, Crimson, Nintype, and then older ones like SwiftKey and Swipe. Really good stuff, but... I am completely sold on Gboard from Google. You know, we've been we started playing with it at work simply because of the ability to look for gifts. Right. Well, I mean, that's the primary draw, but it has really good swipe typing. Okay. Uh, it's super. It's more accurate than most of what of, of other keyboards that I've tried. Uh, the predictive text suggestions that it gives you. If I type the word Brazilian it will always suggest jujitsu as the next word based on my previous usage. Um, Things like that kind of impress me. Uh, The ability to search uh, emoji by uh, words, which is now, I I believe iOS 10 does that anyway, but. um, And they added a really poor gift search. Yeah, yeah, they did. Gboard is still my favorite. I can insert uh, links uh, with Google and Wiki and um, uh, like Yelp references and things. And granted, iOS 10 is doing a lot of this now. Swipe typing is my biggest draw right now. But the the we'll say GIF. I I say GIF. We're gonna go with GIF because you're the guest. Um, oh. I- you know the whole this whole this whole war between people. I don't. I don't know why I get so passionate about it. I, I don't. Like, I really it, it, don't care. What's but funny? I, do. I don't even. I I will bounce between the terms. Like I don't even. I catch myself not even using one single term, which I guess is why I don't find any. I I, I don't understand why people got so bent out of shape over it. I think for me, it's because as a young man, I was corrected. By you know sysadmins and and yeah. and sysops that were like it, it says in the documentation it's pronounced GIF, you say it as GIF, and I said okay, and I developed that habit, and then all of a sudden that uh, habit became like fanaticism. Uh, well, yeah, like people started laughing because you said it the right way, and then I get offended. <laughs> And I want to stick up for it, but ultimately it does not matter. I don't care that you can argue it so long in either direction. Yeah. Like I said, I will, I will bounce between the two, you know, depending on whatever the last time, last term I heard last time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Gboard, 
I I have and and the biggest deal for me was I I avoid a lot of Google products because of privacy concerns. Yep. And when they released Gboard, they made a special statement about how Gboard does not record the only information sent to Google is when you do specifically do a Google search. Uh, and that is sent simply to provide search results and then that ultimately, you know, violates privacy. But Everything else you type, Google, nothing is sent out. You, it doesn't track anything. They made a very, uh, we'll say, vivacious, um, vehement even, uh, privacy statement when they released this. So I have some faith in it. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I've got it installed. I don't play with it much since the iOS 10 stuff has come out and most of the stuff that I use. But I'm curious. I didn't realize it had the swipe type on there. Oh, I might have to try that out. It's so um, good. The, as far as swipe typing, I will say that Nintype and Ryo both have really amazing, I would call them innovations on uh, typing technology, like the way you can swipe and and get different effects with different kinds of presses on keys and gotcha. really uh, more efficient typing processes. But neither of them are really smooth to me. Uh, the the similarities between the Google keyboard and the standard keyboard are more natural for me. Gotcha. All right. So you can be found on Twitter as JumpmanCol, G-U-M-P-M-A-N-C-O-L. Do you J-U-M-P. Have a, what did I, oh, I said G, because Jif. <laughs> I was like, I pronounced Gumpman as Jumpman. No. Yeah. Uh, so it's J-U-M-P-M-A-N-C-O-L. And That's on right. the web, do you have a website you want to point to? Uh, sure. Cubed apples. Um, but with a Q U B L E D apples dot wordpress.com. Um, and I'll send you this. You can put it in there. Uh, it's a play on the whole QA thing. Um, <laughs> okay. and there's a, there's a goofy story that goes along with it. Um, it, it, it was just something I was trying to come up with a, a cool name and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. It's different. So, yeah, uh, cubed apples with a Q instead of a C. Perfect. All right. And is there anywhere else you want a list to be found? Not really. Just check out HomeAdvisor. Uh, we do some cool stuff. Not too many people know about us. So, yeah. I will. Uh, I, that's already in the show notes. And you said it was kind of a competitor to Angie's List, right? Uh, you could call us a competitor to Angie's List. I think we're we're eating their lunch at this point. But... <laughs> That's a personal opinion. All right. And I am Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff everywhere. Uh, you can find me at brettterpstra.com or go to ttscoff.com and just get redirected there. Um, and this has been Systematic, I think, episode 175. I'm, I'm losing track. But uh, with John Robinson, thanks for being here, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And we'll see everybody in a week. <laughs>